0: Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football staff have become renowned for leaving an impression on high school football prospects, and they have another great opportunity to do just that this weekend. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello Gamecock Nation and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock Athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Happy Friday to all of you who are tuning in to today's edition of Locked on Gamecocks. We got a lot going on in Gamecock country this weekend. South Carolina's baseball team will be fighting to continue their postseason journey as they will play the Super Regional Round down in Gainesville this weekend. We'll preview the matchups later on in the show. Plus, Nicholas Harper, some social media posts have been trickling out about him and the work he's putting in at his future position at the collegiate level. We'll dive into that a little bit as well. But before we touch on all that, we got to talk about the group of prospects that are going to be in town this weekend visiting Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football coaching staff, who have a great opportunity to make some headway when it comes to some of these prospects that mainly reside on the defensive side of the ball. I want you all to think about something real quick. Out of the nine commits that the Gamecocks currently have, only three of them are on the defensive side of the ball. Those three guys are Wendell Gregory, Brayden Lee, and Kelvin Hunter, which also means that right now, South Carolina does not have a single commit that resides on the defensive line. Now, obviously right now, the biggest target on South Carolina's recruiting board is Dylan Stewart, and there's a solid argument to make that Jordan Thomas, who's also a defensive lineman, might be the second biggest defensive target that has legitimate mutual interest in South Carolina. But the Gamecocks, of course, just can't take both of those guys alone and then say, we're good for the rest of this class. Now, South Carolina has got to fill in some more spots on this side of the ball for the 2024 cycle. And this weekend, they're going to have a good chance to do that because they're going to be hosting five defensive targets, including four blue chip prospects. Let's dive into a couple of these prospects that are going to be in Columbia this weekend. Starting off with D.D. Holmes out of Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C. So another prospect from the DMV region where Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks have had a lot of success in their short tenure so far. Now, South Carolina made D.D. Holmes top six that he released back on May 24th. And that's really telling here because the thing is, the Gamecocks have yet to host DJ Holmes for a visit to this point in his recruitment. And according to On3Sports, Holmes has only taken two visits to this point in his entire recruitment. One to Penn State and another one to Florida State. And we've talked about this before. Shane Beamer and this coaching staff, they're already good at really making progress in these recruitments over the month of June. In a lot of ways, solidifying a lot of commits for their upcoming recruiting class. I'm not going to say the Gamecocks could get a commitment from Holmes by any means, but I do think that South Carolina has a really big opportunity here to put themselves firmly in the driver's seat for the DMV native after his official visit this weekend and so far I think that this is the only official visit that DD homes has currently scheduled so we'll of course see how all that plays out moving forward but again DD Holmes is going to be a guy to watch coming out of this upcoming weekend another defensive prospect that's going to be in town is Malcolm Ziegler out of Fuquay Varina High School in North Carolina. Now, some of you may vaguely remember, if you're an everydayer that listens or watches the show, that we've talked about Malcolm Ziegler before. Ziegler's kind of a guy that is sort of bursting onto the scene, going into his senior season of high school football. Now, Ziegler has visited Columbia once, which was back on March the 25th, and South Carolina is kind of one of the first schools that really, truthfully discovered him because. The Gamecocks were Ziggler's fourth Power 5 offer overall and his second SEC offer in his recruitment when they dispensed the offer to him back on February the 13th. And since that time, Ziegler has continued to garner interest from some of the best college football programs out there. Places like Penn State, Notre Dame, Clemson, and he's also got another SEC offer from the Kentucky Wildcats. Now Zickler is going to be officially visiting South Carolina this weekend and is then going to follow that up with an official visit to Notre Dame and then another one to the home state North Carolina Tar Heels in the last weekend of June. So, South Carolina, based on the official visit schedule, it does seem like that they got a little bit more competition now. For Malcolm Ziegler, but again, that does not mean that South Carolina is out of this recruitment by any means. We've also talked about this before. touring Gray, he has proven to be a great developer and recruiter for this staff. Has sent multiple guys to the NFL, both guys that were sort of diamonds in the rough and guys that were projected to long term have a ton of potential. So you gotta imagine that that is going to be attractive for a kid like Malcolm Ziegler out of North Carolina. And then the last prospect I want to really talk about in detail real quick is Nasir Johnson out of Dublin High School in Dublin, Georgia. Now, Johnson is kind of like D.D. Holmes, who I mentioned earlier, in the sense that he has yet to visit South Carolina's campus to this point. Now, he has visited some schools like Georgia, Florida, and Florida State to this point in the process. And he's scheduled official visits with Florida and Florida State that are going to take place in that exact order over the next two weekends. So again, there's definitely some competition here for Nasir Johnson, but the fact that he is going to take an official visit to South Carolina and he has not visited the campus once to this point, I think that that really says a lot about what Johnson thinks about the football program. And it kind of gives credence to the idea of Shane Beamer and the staff and how much they've elevated the perception of South Carolina. Because again, a couple years ago, y'all, this coaching staff, they probably would have been struggling to get some of these kids to all of a sudden just decide, you know what, I haven't visited South Carolina once this entire recruitment, but maybe I should go take one of my official visits to them. They weren't doing that a whole lot back in 2021, but now you've made some progress on the field. You've gotten some big wins against teams like Tennessee and Clemson, and you've also been recruiting quite well, and you combine all that momentum together, and right now, prospects, even the ones that maybe South Carolina isn't in the game for from the start of their recruitments, are taking notice. Of the Gamecocks, and so it's leading to these guys making the decision to come on down to Columbia. So that's something to really watch here with this exact crop of prospects this weekend, with these guys that are coming here for just their first time, or maybe even just their second time. What are the reactions coming from these guys leaving this weekend? It's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out. And in terms of commitments, maybe South Carolina could get one or two. But honestly, again, it's hard to really pinpoint an exact prospect that could end up joining the fold after this weekend. But of course, if anyone does, I promise y'all we're going to have a reaction video both on YouTube and also where we get your audio podcast daily from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Now, we've talked a lot about guys that the Gamecocks are currently pursuing for their 2024 recruiting cycle, but the Gamecocks... Also got some really good players in the 2023 class. And obviously the crown jewel of that class was Nicholas Harper. Who's going to have a lot of attention that is going to be brought onto to him this upcoming fall. And he's going to be playing a new position at wide receiver. And based on some of the recent social media activity, it appears that Nicholas Harper, he's taking this transition very, very seriously. We're going to dive into all that in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Listen, I know that when it comes to clothes, in reality, we all are just wanting a few simple things. We want our clothes to fit well. We want our clothes to be comfortable. And in all honesty, we want clothes that we can wear to multiple different places in multiple different types of settings. Those are the kind of clothes that we all are looking for. Bird Dogs are the perfect pair of shorts for you That fits all of that criteria in one. They are stretch khaki shorts that help to give you a sculpted look. And they are not made of that restricting cotton type material that you can get in all the other pairs of shorts that you find out there. Also, bird dogs have anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that helps to keep you cool and dry all day long. So, if you want to get some of the best shorts of the summer in bird dogs, go to birddogscom slash lockdown college and enter promo code lockdown college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's bird dogs.com slash lockdown college for a free Yeti style tumbler. I promise you, once you put on bird dogs for the first time, you'll never want to take them off. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you once again, also to all of you everydayers for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. All right, let's talk about Nicholas Harper, because Nicholas Harper is probably the prospect that Gamecock fans are most excited to see this upcoming season, and for good reason. We've talked about this before. Nicholas Harper is probably the biggest unicorn-type prospect that the Gamecocks have gotten in quite some time. And what I mean by unicorn prospect is that with what Nicholas Harper does, it sometimes doesn't seem like he is from this planet. Nicholas Harper is around 6'5", 230 pounds, and is a kid that quite literally runs 100-yard dash times to the point where he can aspire to be a future Olympian on the track. This kid is is a world-class type athlete with what he does both on the gridiron and also in terms of track and field. Now, Nicholas Harper, he wants to be great at both sports. And because of this, his recruitment was quite unique to where Harper is going to be transitioning from the edge rusher position on defense to the wide receiver position on offense. And this is probably to sort of prevent him from accumulating some wear and tear at that edge spot and also allow him to play at a smaller weight or smaller size so that he can transition well from football season over to track and field once the season concludes. Now, with these developments have come a lot of questions from even some Gamecock fans as well. People that are sitting there and saying, well, what does this mean for Nicholas Harper's football career? You know, if he's worried that much about his track and field career, they just want to switch positions in an unprecedented way, then should we worry that maybe he could leave football after a season or two? You know, should we worry that maybe he's not going to care as much about football? Well, I can promise y'all this. Based on some of the recent social media activity that we've seen out there, it doesn't appear that that is the case. Nicholas Harper, based on this tweet from... Route Surgeon, that's the name on Twitter. This is basically a wide receiver coach that Nicholas Harper is using right now, apparently, I guess near his hometown. And he's apparently putting in a lot of work with this guy, working on sort of catching the football with a guy right next to him, you know, doing certain drills with his hands. And he's also doing a lot of drills that involve his footwork and, you know, trying to develop that footwork to where he can try and shake guys off on routes and look I'll go ahead and be the first to say it Nicholas Harper doing all of these drills and everything with his guy with his coach that does not necessarily mean that Nicholas Harper is just going to set the entire world on fire in 2023 but here's what this does mean here's why this is important this conveys how serious Nicholas Harper is about this transition to the wide receiver position if Nicholas Harper was a guy that, quite frankly, was just not doing anything right now, was maybe just sort of enjoying his time up there in Washington, D.C., in his hometown, and was going to wait until fall camp, essentially, to start doing drills at the wide receiver spot, drills that he's going to be having to do at that position, then I would have been concerned because it would have given off the idea that, that Nicholas Herbert felt like that he could lean on his athleticism. The issue with guys that are great athletes is that sometimes guys who have great athleticism, like athleticism that is just on a different level compared to everybody else, if they recognize that, they'll sort of just lean into that, and they'll skate by, essentially, is my overall point there. But there's also other guys... Who understand just how good of an athlete they are. And because of that, it motivates them even more to accomplish different things in their arena or in their sport. And it seems like that that is what is going on here with Nicholas Harbour. The fact that he's already training and doing wide receiver specific position drills before he even arrives in Columbia... I think that's a great sign for wide receivers coach Justin Stepp, for offensive coordinator Dow Loggins, and for head coach Shane Beamer and the rest of South Carolina's coaching staff. Because it shows that he cares. It shows that Nicholas Harper, he is not going to treat football as sort of like his second sport while mainly being focused on track and field. And again, we don't know how it's all going to play out. Maybe once he gets down here, he does have a change of heart when it comes to all of this. this. We, we can't get into Nicholas Harper's mind and predict the future here. But the fact that he is doing this stuff with this wide receiver coach, I think that it really speaks volumes as to how he's approaching this next season. Nicholas Harper's not going to just use this maybe as a pure development year, although there's going to be a lot of development involved here in year one with Nicholas Harper. He wants to be able to help out right now. And I think that if you're a Gamecock fan, you got to love every single bit of this. Because if the five-star athlete who could be an Olympian one day is taking his football journey heading into college this seriously, then it also, therefore, can cause everybody else to elevate their own work ethic, their own game, make them look in the mirror and reflect and have a self-introspection and say, am I doing everything that I need to do? That's not to say that Nicholas Harper's just all of a sudden going to be the biggest leader on the team. But I think you get my overall point. Other true freshmen, they're not going to rest on their laurels when they see this guy who could have gone anywhere in the country doing what he's doing right now. I think that's so important, not just for Nicholas Harper, for this entire staff and this entire program as the Gamecocks are set to welcome Nicholas Harper into the program very, very soon. All right, now we've talked a lot about the football team to this point on today's show. So let's switch gears and now talk about South Carolina's baseball team, who is going to be fighting to continue their postseason journey later this weekend as they'll be taking on the Florida Gators in the Super Regional. At this point, based on everything that Mark Kingston has said about the team Everyone is healthy, or at least healthy enough to where they're going to be playing. There's not going to be any lineup changes from what I've seen. Everybody's going to be playing this weekend. Will McGillis is going to be DHing, and Bradley Wimmer is still going to be in the field at shortstop. James Hicks and Jack Mahoney are going to be the first two starters for the super regional. And if we go to a game three, then you know who knows. It could be Will Sanders or it could be Matthew Becker. We'll, of course, find out if the Gamecocks get to that point, but obviously, they would love for it to end in two games in a positive way. So, let's talk about Florida's batting lineup real quick. First of all, Florida's batting lineup is extremely top-heavy. The Gators' top five batters have an OPS of .910 or higher, 15-plus homers, and 46 or more RBIs each in both of those categories. Outside of those top five guys, no one else on the team has more than 11 homers or 36 RBIs. So, there is a little bit of a drop-off from the top half of the lineup to the bottom half of the lineup is my overall point there. The second thing to note with Florida's batting lineup is they are led by a star-studded trio in Wyatt Lankford, Jack Caglione, and Josh Rivera. Now, all three of these guys are dangerous. Because not only do they all possess a ton of power. But each one of these guys also has really good plate discipline in different ways. Langford and Rivera have an average strikeout to walk ratio of 0.67. This means that both of these guys are drawing almost double the walks. Compared to the amount of times that they're striking out at the plate. That is extremely good. If you're just matching Strikeouts with walks, that's pretty solid. If you're almost doubling your strikeouts with the amount of times you're drawing walks, that's phenomenal. Top class right there. So Wyatt Langford and Josh Rivera, to put it bluntly, they are not going to be easy outs at any point this weekend. And Jack Caglione, he's a little bit different than both these guys in terms of his plate discipline. Because he might not draw as many free passes as Langford and Rivera. Cagliano has actually only walked 15 times this season. However, Jack has put the ball in play 69% of the time that he's been at the plate this year. For a guy that has hit 31 homers, which I do believe right now is either tied for first or leads all college baseball in that category, that is very scary for opposing pitchers. So, you got to be careful with how you pitch around Jack Caglione when he is at the plate. Here's the other thing. Florida has a balanced lineup in terms of their batting style. What I mean by that is this. Four of the Gators' nine batters are lefties. This means that the approach for James Hicks, Jack Mahoney, and all the other right-handed pitchers on South Carolina's pitching staff, they're going to have to make some adjustments in the middle of these games when they are facing some of these left-handed batters. And that includes BT Riapel, the catcher, I believe, or the starting catcher for the Florida Gators, and Jack Caglione, who, of course, leads the Gators and homers, and I also believe RBIs as well. So while this batting line might not be complete from top to bottom, they've got plenty of firepower to make South Carolina's pitching staff pay for any mistakes that they make throughout the course of a game. Now let's talk about Florida's pitching staff and how this affects South Carolina. The Gators have a very short rotation in terms of their pitching staff. Only seven pitchers have pitched 14 and one-third innings or more since conference play began back in March. The bullpen seems to be sort of the strength of the Gators team. As three of the four relievers for the Gators in this group that I've been mentioning have lower ERAs than the entire starting rotation. Speaking of the starting rotation, Florida's Friday night starter is going to be Brandon Sprout, who I believe is probably the most dangerous starter for the Gators. He is averaging five and two-thirds innings in 10 conference starts to this point, possesses a whip, which is walks and hits per inning pitched. Of 1.19, has a 5.18 ERA, and has given up an opposing batting average of 2.12. Brand Sprout essentially is a guy that can go deep in games if you do not do damage against him in his appearance. And we'll talk about the importance of the Gamecocks getting to Brand Sprout in just a moment or two. The Saturday starter for Florida is going to be. Hurston Waltrip, a guy that the Gamecocks faced, I believe, in Game 1 this past time when they played Florida earlier in the regular season. Now, Hurston has averaged 5 innings in 10 conference starts this season, has a whip of 1.52, an ERA of 5.23, and has given up an opposing batting average of .238, so Numbers are a little bit worse than Brandon Sprout, and he tends to give up a little bit more traffic on the base pads compared to his teammates. Overall, Florida has got talented arms. They typically always do. But outside of Sprout and their two relievers in Brandon Neely and Ryan Slater, I don't necessarily see a pitcher on Florida's staff that South Carolina, based on the numbers, cannot get to. So, my final thoughts overall on this matchup. I really truthfully think, and some of you are going to say like, wow, this is groundbreaking analysis here, Andrew. Just great job. I think that Game 1 is going to be very important here. And some of you, again, are going to sit there and say, well, Game 1's always important because whoever wins the first game, they've got momentum and they've got the advantage of they just got to win one more in the next two and they're moving on to the College World Series. And yes, that's true. Here's why I think Game 1's important, though. I mentioned earlier, I think Brandon Sprout is the best pitcher, maybe outside Brandon Neely, on this entire Florida Gator pitching staff. And I think for South Carolina, this is a very interesting matchup because both of these teams are very similar. The batting lineups can hit the ball out of the yard. South Carolina, probably a little bit deeper in terms of their batting lineup. Both teams also have got really, really powerful arms in their pitching staff. They've got some decent arms in their starting rotation, and they've got some good arms out of the bullpen. Now, in terms of the starters, I would think I would give the edge to South Carolina there as well. The bullpen might be a little bit different. Florida might have the advantage in that aspect. Here's where all this comes into play. If South Carolina can get to brand Sprout in Game 1 on Friday night and win against the Gators... I think South Carolina puts themselves in great position to go to the College World Series. I truly believe that. Now, at the same time, South Carolina, in my opinion, they cannot afford to knock Brandon Sprout around on Friday night. But at the same time, have the Gators do the same thing to James Hicks. James Hicks has got to have a better outing than Brand Sprout. That does not mean that James Hicks has to go like 7-8 innings deep into this game. On Friday. Probably not going to happen in all honesty. But. Sackcloth's batting lineup. They need to torch Brand Sprout. They need to make the getters get into that bullpen. Which again. I think that the arms they do have. That are in the rotation are good. But they're not quite as deep. They need to get to that early. And they need to put the onus of this series on. On Hurston Waldrop and Jack Caglione, who is also the Gators' third starter and would be the starter on Sunday if the series goes to a third game. Waldrop and Caglione, I think, are suspect in their starting rotation. Sprout, in my opinion, makes the whole thing go. So if you can take out Sprout, if you're South Carolina, I think you got to like your chances to win this series and move on to the College World Series for the first time since 2012. With that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoy today's show, as always. What are y'all's thoughts on the official visitors that Shane Beamer and his football staff are going to be hosting this weekend? Who do you think maybe the Gamecocks could get out of that group? What are your thoughts on Nicholas Harper and the work he's putting in at the wide receiver position before he even gets to Columbia? And lastly, how do you think the Gamecocks are going to fare against the Florida Gators in the Super Regionals this weekend? Let me know all your thoughts down below in the comments section. If you watch today's show on YouTube, or should we direct message on Twitter at line underscore SC? If you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's show. Have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. For all of those of you who are traveling down to Gainesville, be safe on your trip. I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.